Hello and welcome to the podcast from Holy Trinity Westerhales. We're delighted that you've joined us for this week's podcast and pray that you will be blessed through it. And let us come to Christ in prayer. Lord, for that wonderful truth that in Christ alone we stand and nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing can come between us. The world might fight against us. It might feel as if we are very alone at times. But thank you for that promise that you will never leave us or forsake us. Thank you, Lord, that you came to be as one of us. That you didn't remain a distant God. But this morning, as we look at what you were up to before you came to live as one of us, I just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. That you would remind us of truths that we know. That you will open our eyes to other possibilities. And that you will make clear some of the mysteries that are in your word by the power of the Holy Spirit. So bless us all, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at um, theophanies. And I I don't like big words. And this week, we've moved on to the angel of the Lord, or the Lord. And I think we've got a a slide to start us off. And this comes up, and this phrase, when Ian said to me, oh, you can do the angel of the Lord, the Lord. Um, Have we got the pictures? There we go. The first one would be good. One before that should be the title one. There we go. The angel of the Lord, the Lord. Now, when you see that come up, what does it say to you? If you're honest, does it say anything at all? I know for some of you here, it will be a starter for a lovely conversation. And you'll find more big words and more big words and words in ancient languages and links throughout the whole of scripture. And that is brilliant. And I love sitting, hearing people talking theology. It's great. But is that the case for all of us? I think if we're honest, if some of us see that, it will be, I don't know, the angel of the Lord, the Lord. What? Honestly, I don't know. And for me, and maybe for others, and hopefully this morning, it might Start a thought process. Well, what does that mean? An angel or the angel? Angel of the Lord, the Lord, with a question mark behind it. If it keeps occurring in the Bible, which it does, and if we're doing a series on it here, which we are, it must be kind of something to look into. So that's why I'm looking a bit deeper into this topic this morning. We won't go very deep because, you know, that's why. Because when I started looking into it, I didn't have a clue. And the more I looked, I got more confused. But hopefully, I've worked through some of that. So no matter where we're starting, whether we know it, what it is, whether we're not interested in what it is, or where we think, mm, well, it could be, it couldn't be, we'll, we'll have a wee go. Excuse me if I sort of backtrack a bit because I say I've been away having a holiday for a couple of weeks and I've missed the learned words of my colleagues. 
Some of you may be here as visitors or not been for a few weeks either. So on the next slide, I've got some definitions of theophany. The times when God appears to men and to women. And I hope a few definitions may help, but they may confuse a bit more. So we've got a theophany, a temporary appearance of God in a body. I think we can cope with that one. It doesn't say what sort of body. We'll worry about the angels and fires and pillars and things later. I need to look at this one. It is a visible appearance of God in the Old Testament period, often but not always in human form. As I say, we'll think about different forms. Interesting point there to know is it's in the Old Testament period that these theophanies, these appearances of God happened. Because, of course, course in the New Testament, God came to earth in Jesus Christ. So he didn't need occasional appearances. But in the Old Testament, theophanies. Now, I got this from a um, commentary. You can tell, it's not my language. Some would also include in this term Christophanies, pre-incarnate appearances of Christ, and angelophanies, appearances of angels. In the latter category, I found the appearances of the angel of, and of the angel of the Lord, which some have taken to be Christophanies, reasoning that since the angel of the Lord speaks for God in the first person, and a human addressed often attributes the experience to God directly. More confused than when we started? Because as I worked through my preparation, I was. So let's move on, right? There are four schools of thought that we can look at, which is quite helpful. I know there are a lot more than four for my learned colleagues. But as we want to go home, have some lunch in an afternoon and come back to the evening service, if we can just look at four, if that's okay with everybody. So we've got... Four schools of thought that this is a special messenger, a heavenly being, not God, or God the Father in a divine manifestation to humanity, or the God the Son manifested in pre-incarnate form. And then I love this catch-all at the bottom, it depends. I can go with that one. But that's not what we're here to do this morning. So let's have a little bit, bit through, further through the four schools of thought. Um, so let's have a look. I know this is maybe repeating things that we've done before or things that you already have, have looked at. But can we have a quick look through some of the appearances of this angel of the Lord, the Lord, and we'll see how we go. So there's just a list of them that will come up. So we've got Hagar, Abraham's wee bitty on the side if that's not too casual a way to describe her. And this is the first recorded appearance of the angel angel of the Lord, the Lord, in in the human form. And this being promised her he would increase her descendants. There she was, Abraham's way of trying to get descendants, not in the way God wanted, but God blesses those descendants as well. It's only God who can bless like that. So this being, an angel, can only bring messages. The Lord can speak to you. And Hagar's response was, I have seen the one who sees me, this omniscient God. Abraham and Sarah, shortly after, had a visit from three men. 
three angels and then realised that one of them was the Lord, uppercase Lord, because he promised them the birth of a son against all human odds. And as we know from history, Isaac was, was born. And they realised it had been the Lord. And also interesting, when Sarah was laughing about it in the tent, the angel of the Lord, God in a human form, said, I know you're laughing. Can't see you, but I know because I'm God. I know. And then later on, Abraham was being very obedient and taking his beloved son Isaac to a sacrifice that he really thought was going to have to be the sacrifice of his son. And the angel of the Lord appeared and said, no, stop it. You've been obedient as far as I want you to be. I know you're being obedient. But knew everything that was going on and intervened. Surely, if God's told us to do something, the only person who can reverse that is God as well. So the angel wasn't just a messenger, it was God. Jacob wrestled with an angel. We're told he wrestled all night on what he thought was an angel. And then he realised, actually, he'd wrestled with the Lord himself. And later in his life, made a very clear statement that the angel of the Lord and God are identical. It's another name for God, way of talking about God. We looked at Moses, and we story we're familiar with in the, the burning bush and the flame of fire who said now you know a flame a, a bush on fire but not burning and then it speaks to you I am the God of your father the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob that appearance in a form although not human was God speaking when leading the Israelites, he promised he would. God said to, through Moses, I'll lead you. The pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. And the name of the Lord was in him. So, there again, the God appearing. Joshua was a mighty warrior. captain, of, And the captain of the host of the Lord, with an uppercase, appeared. This mighty warrior and Joshua realised it was holy ground and he took off his shoes. Just as at the morning bush, Moses had been told, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. God coming in different forms in different times in different places. Sometimes called God, sometimes called the angel of the Lord. So we'll have a wee look now at what, what happened in our readings today because um, the angel of the Lord was very busy at the beginning of Judges. In Judges chapter 2, he'd already come and um, made a couple of statements. Let me find it. The Israelites by this time had been doing all sorts of things that they shouldn't have been. And we're told at the beginning of um, chapter 2, the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bukim and said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land that I swore to give to your ancestors. I said, I will never break my covenant you, with you, and you shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you do. And went on to give them a right telling off. When the angel of the Lord had spoken these things to all the Israelites, the people wept aloud, and they called that place Bokim. They offered sacrifices to the Lord. They had gone so far off course that 
the angel of the Lord, God, because it was God who'd said, I will lead you. It was Yahweh, that almighty God. And the angel's using, using that language. Anyway, the Midianites had generally overrun them and they weren't doing very well at all because they were being disobedient. And then we hear that Gideon had an encounter with the angel of the Lord. The Lord in then was in human form. The angel was like a man because the verb sat down is used. Now elsewhere we read about angels, these spiritual beings, and they fly and they go on wheels and they do all sorts of things. But this man sat down. Somebody comes in and sits down next to you. Do you presume it's the angel of the Lord? No, you probably think it was a man. And Gideon did. He doesn't realise it is it's the Lord. He doesn't realise that this man is God because he uses a lowercase Lord. Despite the greeting in verse 12 that the Lord, uppercase, is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon appears relaxed. Would you be relaxed if God came and sat down next to you this morning? There's a few empty seats. I don't think I would be, but... Gideon turns to this man, as he thinks, who's said, I am the Lord, and says, pardon me, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? The Israelites had turned away and the Midianites were oppressing them. Would you have the courage to ask God, you know, if, you're, if you're meant to be in charge, why is this happening? We may be doing our inner hearts, when you look at things going on in the world, you stand and you think, why? But would I have the courage to actually ask God if he was sat next to me? That's a different thing. And the Lord doesn't say, oh, well, it's because of this and because of that. It just says, go in the strength you have and save Israel. Not go in the strength I'll give you, but go in the strength you already have. And the only strength Gideon had, that he was faithful to God. He worshipped Yahweh, not the Midianite gods. He stood up for what was right. And there again, I think Gideon, like Moses, says, oh, not me, I'm no important, I couldn't do that. But God knows when we feel totally inadequate, as Gideon clearly did. And the Lord, the angel of the Lord, God himself said to him, I will be with you. And then Gideon just pushes again. Rather than, I'd be saying, okay, fine. Gideon says, well, go and give me a sign. I wonder how God must get fed up with us saying, go and prove it, go and do this, go and do that, when we, we don't accept what he tells us. Anyway, the Lord agrees, and Gideon goes off and makes a sacrifice. And when he does, it's laid there. And the angel, this being, God, sitting next to him, gets up and touches it with the tip of his staff. The meat is, and bread is consumed and the angel of the Lord disappears. And at that point, when the sacrifice was accepted, because that sacrifice would only be offered to God, Gideon realised it was no human and no angel, but it was the Lord God himself, it was Yahweh. 
and then suddenly thought, but I know that the penalty for seeing God face to face is that you die. Nobody can cope with it. It's too much. But you'd be reassured, not yet. Your time will come, but not yet. So I wonder, is that God doing a bit of a softening, allowing certain people to see him and know they'd seen him and live? Or was God aware that we can't cope with him in all his majesty? It takes us time to get to grips with it. And he's gentle with us and he loves us. And he gives us as much as we can bear today. And tomorrow he'll give us something more. Anyway, Gideon, in human form, they had a conversation. He was, there was a blessing and he accepted the sacrifice. Our next reading was about Samson's parents. We have Manoah and his wife. But interestingly, the angel of the Lord, the Lord, appeared to the nameless wife first. At this time, they'd, they'd, Israel had moved on. They'd, they'd sort of rallied to God and then they'd gone away again and the Philistines had overrun them this time. I mean, just everybody who was around had to go, I think. Um, and the, the, the angel of the Lord appeared in human form to another woman who was unable to have children and promised her that she would have a son. So is this God saying, I'm, I'm proving I'm God because the things that normally wouldn't happen, I can make happen. This is, this is outstanding. And also gave the lady instructions to how she and the child should live and how the boy's life would be dedicated to God from the womb. And this again was unusual because a Nazarite vow was taken by an individual for a particular period with a particular focus. And God was saying this child, I am giving you, and he is to be mine. So the woman went home and told her husband, the, the dear Manoah, and I think he probably thought she'd been out in the sun a bit long. They were past having children. She was un, they were unable to have children. We don't know for what reason. So he prayed to God in a way sort of checking up. God, was this message from you? Maybe it's a good habit to always test the messages we get because sometimes we do pick up cross wires. Anyway, the Lord said, that's fine. So the Lord came once again to the woman and she fetched her husband and they questioned. Like Gideon has said, you know, who are you? What's going on here? They questioned the man that they met and the words were repeated and again, is that another indication of God's patience with us when we just say, I'm not sure, I'm checking. Can you just tell me again? And Manoah still didn't realize who the man was, despite these wonderful things that were happening. And says, wait a minute, I'll get you something to eat before you go. You'll have had your tea or would you like a cup of tea? Depends where you live, I suppose. So the Lord says, the Lord capital letters, said, okay, but I, don't, I won't eat anything. God doesn't eat. But God accepts sacrifices made with a humble heart. He says, prepare a sacrifice and offer it to the Lord. Still Manoah didn't get it. 
God's saying, go and make a sacrifice and bring it to, to me. Still didn't get it. Did what he was told. And as with Gideon, it burst into flames. It was accepted and the angel disappeared. The response again, realizing they'd been in that intimate presence of God, was fear for their lives. I wish we knew Manoah's wife's name because she sounds such a lovely lady. She argued quite sensibly, if God was going to kill them, he would have done it. So therefore, as he'd been there, as he came back the second day, as he'd accepted their sacrifice, that was offering them a promise. Not presuming that what God does in one context, he is automatically going to do the same in the next. When God says something to me, it's for my context. When he says something to Margaret, it's for hers or for Eddie or for all of us. And we thank you, Linda, for sharing what God put on your heart because sometimes it is to share and we each take it for our own, own context. So, two theophanies. Two experiences of this angel of the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, appearing in a human form. So now let's go back and think, which of the four schools of thought most closely fit with this? So we should have, as I said, was he a messenger or was it an actual theophany? In order to test if something is a message or if it is God himself, let's look at what happened. The angel of the Lord identified with God, I am the Lord. He's told us in many cases. In both of these instances, they had the power to give life in many of the instances. Only God can call life into being. So it looks as if this angel of the Lord is God. All knowing, I know what you're thinking. I know you're laughing in the tent, Sarah. I know you're confused here, Gideon. I know you didn't believe your wife, Manoah. And he would judge the earth. Could forgive sins. Could accept sacrifices. And is this pointing to Jesus, God going to come to live with us? Is this? Or, as many commentators argue, it's actually Christ coming. When I was getting to that point, I was... um, thinking of the story that Jesus told about the vineyard where it, and, and it, the, it was taken over and he sent, the owner sent messages, sent messengers, do this, do this, do this, and it was ignored. And finally he sent his son and they killed him. Are these the messengers, are these the instances where, you know, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong. And then Christ had to come in full form. How different life would be for us living in the New Testament, being Gentiles, not God's chosen people, if things had gone differently. So it would seem today that at certain times God took on a human form to show people something of God. So then... We think, was it God the Father? Was it God the Son? Or was it God the Holy Spirit? Because that's the other thing. Was it Jesus, the Son? And another role, though, of an angel is is as a messenger sent by God. 
So this title, the angel of the Lord and the Lord, could that suggest that this was Jesus coming? God the Son was sent by God the Father. Because in John 8.18, Jesus says, I am the one bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. So the Son's saying, I was sent by the Father. So had he been sent before? Because the angel of the Lord never appears in the New Testament, because Jesus is there. So was this Christ coming? Can you see why I got confused? I think there's lots of blank looks, and you're thinking she's lost it. And it is confusing. We can accept that God came in various forms, but then is that, how is that pointing to Christ? Was it the precursor or was it not? Were they all the angel? Does it matter? I've got that as a question coming up for you, I hope. Does it matter? Well, yes, it does. Trying to get our head around this, I feel, does matter. Because not only does it show us God's interaction with his people throughout history and implies his interaction with us now, but it also shows us, or it makes us think about some of these complexities of the Trinity. Is it the Father, the Son, the Spirit? How does this work? And that's a topic for another day and with other speakers who are able to do this better. But if we can try to grasp some of it or ask God to show us some of it, it helps make sense of Jesus' claims. Because just as the Lord in lowercase is also the Lord in uppercase, the angel of the Lord, the Lord, one and the same thing, but a bit separate. So Jesus is one with the Father, but also separate as the Son. Jesus says, you know, I'm, the Father sent me. I'm the Son. I'm the way to the Father. So Jesus coming as this messenger, showing people the way to what God's plans were for them. It creates a space to think about the Trinity these ancient and creative ways of portraying something that is so difficult to get a grip on, this Lord, this Yahweh, God Almighty, this very complex unity, helps us understand that God is diverse and yet unified, bonded together in this perfect community of love. If we can start to understand Father, Son and Holy Spirit in the Trinity, through these examples of God coming in different forms and doing different things, it creates a space for us to allow our minds to start dealing with how on earth that works. And also, it helps us to know God's character more. I've mentioned a couple of things. You know, does this show us that God was becoming more patient and more tolerant? Did he say that he was understanding human beings' inability to just get on with it? How did, we, how did we work? I wonder if when he created the Israelites and said, off you go, he, he knew they were going to disobey and then come back. And then come. We say he knows everything. But all the details. So the Lord, with the uppercase, interacts on a personal level with humans while remaining his identity as God. God took on human form in Jesus but Jesus was fully human and also fully God. He never lost his godness. 
And this complexity and these, these confusions can, if we allow God to speak to us, help us to understand what's going on. So, all clear now? The angel of the Lord, the Lord, the this, that, this, different things, burning bushes and pillars and people. And I think if the last slide comes up, you'll agree with me. Yeah? <laughs> Realistically, every single one of us is a little bit confused or a lot confused. But I found this wonderful video and I, should, maybe, I could have just shown it and gone home. So I'll invite you to sit back and watch this. It's only very short. And ask God to show you what you can understand, to give you a measure of understanding that you can cope with today, whether that's to take it into further, further realms or whether it's just to say, oh God, you're so great and I don't have a clue, but thank you. And take away the confusion and worry that you can't. And then afterwards, we just have a moment of quiet to give thanks to God for the love that he has for us, whether he shows it in burning bushes, in wrestling, in angels, in whatever else, that he showed it in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and his resurrection for my sins and yours. So let's watch the wee video. So in the Bible, reality is made up of two overlapping realms, the heavens and the earth our space and God's space. And while life here on earth may seem ordinary, sometimes we can encounter heaven right here in our own realm. Yes, this happens a number of times in the Bible. And when it does, we often encounter a fascinating character, the angel of Yahweh, or in most translations of the Bible, the angel of the Lord. Now we've talked about angels. They're spiritual messengers who perform missions for God. But the angel of the Lord is no mere angel. How so? Well, every time he appears, he's described in a way that's purposefully puzzling. And it leaves you wondering, was that an angel sent by Yahweh? Or was that Yahweh himself? What do you mean? Here's one of many examples. In the book of Genesis, there's a story about Hagar, Abraham and Sarah's runaway Egyptian slave. And we read this. The angel of Yahweh called to Hagar. But then this angel speaks as if he is Yahweh, saying, I will give you many descendants. And then Hagar responds and says, you are God who sees me. So the angel of Yahweh is Yahweh, but that can't be. In the Bible, you can't see Yahweh or you'll die. Yeah. So this story and others like it are inviting us into a paradox that Yahweh is above all, inaccessible to us. But sometimes he reveals himself to us in ways that we can see and understand. And that's where this character shows up. He's Yahweh made visible to us. Yes, distinct from Yahweh and also Yahweh. This is very similar to other biblical stories about prophets who get a glimpse into God's space, like Isaiah, Ezekiel, or Daniel. And what they see is a glorious human figure on a throne who's called Yahweh. So the one on the throne and the angel of Yahweh, this is the same person. Exactly. Watch all this come together in the famous story of Moses and the burning bush, where we read, the angel of Yahweh appeared to Moses in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And when Yahweh saw that Moses stopped to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush. So this person in the bush is called the angel of Yahweh, then Yahweh, and then God. And then later in the story, Moses learns that the figure in the burning bush is the one leading Israel out of Egypt in a pillar of fire and cloud. And that's the one who later takes up residence in the tabernacle. The tabernacle, this is the throne room of God himself. You got it. The angel of the Lord is the royal glory of Yahweh appearing as a human. 
Now, keep all this in mind as we start talking about Jesus. In the opening of the Gospel of John, we're told that from all eternity, Jesus was with God and was God. Distinct from God and also God. That's the same paradox we saw with the angel of Yahweh. Right. And then John says that God's word became human and set up a tabernacle among us. The temple presence of the invisible God. Exactly. Now check this out. There's a story about when Jesus took three of his followers up to a mountain and his true identity was revealed. He was transformed into a glorious human figure. Okay, I see what's going on here. So the angel of the Lord was God appearing like a human and Jesus is God now become a human. Yes. And notice this, in the New Testament, no one ever uses the phrase angel of the Lord to describe Jesus. Why not? Well, they wanted to avoid the idea that Jesus was merely an angel. For them, Jesus was Yahweh God become human in order to fulfill his ultimate mission to fully reunite heaven and earth once and for all. Let's pray. Lord, we struggle to understand some of the mysteries, or most, all of the mysteries of you. It just confuses the mind. It inspires some of us to, to try to unravel the mysteries. It can so easily put us off seeking you at all. But we just thank you, Lord, that in Jesus, we see you. We hear your word. We know your love for us. Lord, we thank you that from the moment of creation, it was planned that Jesus would come and live among us to save us from our sin, to reconcile us with you and each other. We thank you, Lord, from the bottom of our hearts for this overwhelming love that you had for your creation, for your people. The miraculous way in which you, you speak to our hearts and prompt us to turn from our old lives to trusting you. For the way that the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, also takes up residence, who also in the Old Testament came and went, but after Pentecost is here for all believers. So Lord, don't let us be confused. Don't let us worry about understanding but just let us open our hearts and our minds and hold out our hands to you and say, Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for my new life through faith in him. And show me the next steps that you want me to take as I seek to follow you more closely, as I'm aware of the things that get in the way and that I do wrong and put those barriers to one side. So Lord, bless us all now. May we know your presence and your reassurance that no matter what we understand and what we don't, your love is real and true. 
and you are alive forever. And we with you. Amen.